And I'm going to start off here. What does impossible mean? I looked this up for you guys because I wanted to make sure I got it right. It says not able to occur, exist, or be done. So in quotations, a seamless, impossible task. All right? So not possible, beyond the bounds of possibility, out of the question. Just say out of the question for me. The meaning of faith, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. All right. So you guys remember that? The word impossible and faith. All right? All right. So I'm going to get you guys, if you have your, your Bibles, you can get yourself ready here. It's, uh, we're looking at Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 10. It's the, the story of the, the centurion Roman officer. Okay? It's got healing in it, so I had to use it. Okay? Um, I'm going to read the story here first for you guys, okay? So I'm going to read from Luke. We can also find this story in Matthew. Okay, Matthew 8, verse 5 to 13 has a story as well. Uh, There's a little bit of difference in them, so we're going to talk about that later. Uh, But verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, at the time the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the, officer had, when the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. Verse 4, So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. Verse 6, So Jesus went with them, But just before they arrived at the house, the officers sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Verse 8, I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. Amen, eh? Amen? Come on. Reading that story always brings up our faith, doesn't it? Brings encouragement, right? Gets us in this, this mindset that God can do the impossible, right? So I said you can, you can read the same story in Matthew, uh, so I'm not going to read from Matthew tonight, but there is a few differences. Uh, so Matthew basically focuses on the, the faith of the centurion, okay? And then in Luke here, he's highlighting the, the relationship between the centurion and the Jewish people, okay? So again, I want to point some of those things out because when you go home and you're like, you're having your God, die, God time tomorrow, which I know we're all going to do, right? Because we're all really, really good Christians, Right? You're going to open up your book. You're going to start reading the book of Matthew. You're going to get into verse 8. You're going to start reading verse 5. It's like, oh, man, this, Adam said this was the same story, but it sounds a bit different, okay? Because we have two different writers here, and they're taking it from a bit two different perspectives, okay? And again, we'll expand on it more. 
So I was going to just talk about healing tonight, uh, but I kind of felt more led to talk about the Saturian. Okay, so who is a Saturian? He was the commander of the Roman army, right? So he was the, the guy that would come in and be like, keep people in line. If somebody was doing something they shouldn't have been doing and somebody wasn't in line just right, he was that person that would come in and just being like, get your butt back in line, okay? So I kind of felt like this when I was a personal trainer. I was just like, if somebody wasn't listening to me, you like throw down the hammer, get your butt back in gear, you know, work a little harder, right? I've kind of felt like that. I was like, oh, man, I could be like a Roman soldier here. I just needed the outfit, but I don't think they would have let me wear that at work, but maybe you could have talked to them and, and persuaded them. But either way, though, it's this, this person, it's that commander in the army that kept people in line. And it's kind of funny reading a few different stories about them. You know, several times I came to this, these, this story and these people were more afraid of the centurions than they were of the enemy. That's how fierce some of these centurions could be, that their soldiers were more afraid of their superior than they were of, the, of their enemy, who they were going up against. Okay? Centurions, generally you'd think they're, they're in charge of 100 people in their army. Okay? Uh, that's how they got their name. But back then, they kind of miscounted, I think. Uh, they were more in charge of around 80 soldiers in their, in their group. Okay? Um, to become a centurion, they would generally, generally you got promoted to be a centurion when you had about 15 to 20 years of experience under your belt. Okay, so if you were a soldier in the, the Roman army, generally you'd have about 15 years of battle under your belt, okay? And the centurion would have to be a reliable person. Um, generally, they were known for having a kind of a calm head. You know, some of us were like, oh, I'm, I'm just ready to go right into the battle, right? But a centurion was known more for these people that would kind of hold back a little bit. You know, they were totally ready to give their lives for their post, you know, but they were known as men as, you know, they were calm. They were like, yeah, we're going to, we're not going to rush into it until we know it's time. Okay. Centurions were known to be men of character. Okay. Lots of times there's quite a few incidents in the New Testament where there's mentions of centurions and they're always known to be men of character. Okay. So that's kind of a basic you know, a little background, right? We're all a little bit smarter from that, right? You guys appreciated that, right? Yes, thank you. That took me a lot of time and energy to research that five-minute spiel, okay? I watched Gladiator, thank you. All right, uh, but looking at the text, all right? In Matthew, it says that the centurion was there talking to Jesus. In Luke, it says that he asked some respected Jewish leaders, to come and speak to Jesus, okay? So it's quite interesting that this centurion would request some Jewish leaders to go, right? But I think what it really shows is that this wasn't just a normal centurion. This guy wasn't kind of as uh, all those other centurions where, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the Jewish people wouldn't have liked the centurions. They were very controlling, right? Very like pushy, bossy, right? Uh, but this guy was different. He was humble, um, the fact that he would ask for respected Jewish leaders to come and make his request known to Jesus, I think really shows a lot of who he was, shows a lot of his heart, okay? 
I want to talk about, mostly I want to talk about the centurion's faith, right? This is what the story is known for, is his faith, okay? It says that Jesus was marveled, marveled at his faith. So look to the person beside you and say marveled at his faith. Only two times in the Bible does Jesus use that word, all right? He uses it here, and then he uses it in Mark 6, 6. And he was marveled at their lack of faith. So complete opposites, okay? This one, he's marveled at the centurion's faith of like, man, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel, okay? And then you have a complete opposite use of it when he's marveled at their lack of faith, okay? So Jesus says, he's mar- he's like, I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. And he looks back at the crowd and he's just like telling them this, right? He's laying this point home. He's making sure that the people following him hear this word. And we can, re- we can read that story and be like, oh, he's like kind of pressing a button here. He's like pushing in a little criticism, right? But I don't think it's criticism. I think he's, he's not saying that nobody had faith. It's just saying that nobody had faith like this. He's never seen anybody with faith like this before, okay? And so when I was, when I was thinking about this, I was just like, oh, man, it's kind of like if we think about it today, and, and I have a brother and a sister who doesn't believe in Jesus. I'd be like, it's like them believing that Jesus can do a bigger miracle than what I believe Jesus could do. And I was like, ouch. That's powerful. Right? This person who, you know, knew the authority of Jesus, right? He knew, he's heard of Jesus, right? He had good respect with the Jewish people. He built them a synagogue, you know. It doesn't say that he was a Christian or anything like that, right? Um, but the fact of that this man, who isn't a Jew, believes for the faith that he can do far above and beyond anything that we think he could do, right? And it's just like, what a slap in the face. Almost, you know, it's like this eye opener. And I think, man, if my brother thought that, like, had more of a belief, more of a faith that God could bring a healing, God could do more than what I do, it's like, I better like, wake up and smell the coffee here, right? It's because, like, we're called to have that kind of faith, aren't we? You know, I love the, the God is the God of the impossible. You know, for me, it's like I would love to, to live my life knowing that. Jesus, you don't even need to, I don't even need to be there with this person. Say Melissa needed a healing and I was in, you know, Toronto. I should believe and have the faith that God can heal her through my prayer even when I'm an hour away, right? We prayed this last time, you know, we were praying for healing and Lloyd brought up this great word, how God's a God of the impossible and our expectancy, are we expecting him to move in impossible ways, and I was so excited that he was saying it because it's exactly how I was feeling. And I was like, man, he's a word stealer. And I forgave him there on the spot. Um, but it's so true though, right? It's like, are we expecting God to do the impossible, right? We can think it in our heads. We can think it in our hearts. But do we live a lifestyle 
where we expect those things to happen. And I would love to stand up here and say, yes, amen, I totally believe that. But to be honest with you guys and to be real with you guys, which that's what we're about, be like, honestly, I'm not there yet. I want to be. God, like, that's a cry in my heart. It's like, God, I want that. You know, but I'm still in this place that's just like, man, somebody needs healing. They come up. I'm praying for healing for them. And it's just like, nothing happens on there on the spot, right? And it's just like, but God, you are the God of the impossible. I know your heart is to heal this person. I know you want to bring breakthrough this first for this person. I pray I have faith for it to happen, and you don't see it happen, right? What does that do to your faith? I'd love to say, oh, my faith's on cloud nine here. You can't rock my faith at all, right? But again, to be honest with you, it's just like I go home, and it's just like, aim, that was really tough, you know? It's just like, God, I believe that you are, can, will do the impossible. But right now, I'm really, really struggling with it. You know, and Amy sent me this, uh, this quote. Where'd she go on my, what's her name? Lisa Turkis, am I saying that right? Turkis? Turk, Turkers, thank you. Pronunciation. Um, but anyways, she has this amazing quote she put on Instagram. It says, have you ever struggled because you know God can do anything? but you can't understand why he doesn't seem to be intervening for you. Okay, so I'm going to say it again. Have you ever struggled because you know God can do anything, but you can't understand why he doesn't seem to intervene, be intervening for you? And as I was preparing this message, I was like, oh my goodness. It's like I wasn't sure if I wanted to go that that way, you know, you want to keep it all lovey-dovey, you want to keep it all this like powerful breakthrough, all these miracles, all these things, right? But again, we're all in this place, I'm sure, where we've all experienced these really hard things. You know, if you don't know who Lisa is, and I'm not going to pronounce her last name because I'm not going to say her right, but you know, Google her. You know, she's got a crazy story, right? She's gone through some crazy hard times, and it's just like, you want to know somebody who doesn't know, you know, praying for God, like, come through here. You know, she's gone through the bottom, and now God's bringing it back up, right? But she has a couple of, of helpful things that I am literally, I'm stealing it from her, and I'm going to say it to you guys, but I'm going to give her full credit, okay? All right, so one, God often works in the unseen. Just because we can't see it or feel it doesn't mean he's not doing anything. This one hit home for me. God often works in the unseen, right? We always want to see it. We're always looking for it. It's like, yep, yeah, I'm praying for it. It's going to happen right there and then on the spot, right? But it's this reminder that he's often working in the unseen, right? And just because we don't feel it doesn't mean he's not doing something, okay? And that's when you guys can shout amen for me, all right? You guys are still with me? Are you guys with me here? All right. I heard this side really, really loud, okay, just for the record, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not putting you guys on a pedestal or anything like that, but I like that, that feedback here. Okay, the Raptors game's just started, Andy. It's okay, we're doing good. All right. And so the other thing she says, too, that I'm going to kind of paraphrase it, is that just because we're not seeing something happen doesn't mean that's a showcase of how much his lack of love is for you, right? A lot of times we're like, 
God's moving, therefore he loves me, right? And if God's not moving, so therefore something's wrong with me. Or I don't see God moving, so therefore something's wrong with me, right? But just because, again, we're not seeing it doesn't mean there's a lack of love, right? Bill Johnson says it really good. The problem with the equation is never on his end, okay? The problem with the equation is never on his end. So I'm like, Bill, does that mean you're saying it's on my end? I don't want to believe that, Bill. Come on, right? So the problem is never on his end of the equation, okay? And that's a Bill Johnson quote. I can't take that one either. But what I feel like God's calling us to is raising that expectation, okay? Raise that expectation. Just tell yourself, raise that expectation, okay? So I wanted to spend some time focusing on building our faith, Okay, ways to build our faith. So the first thing that I I wanted to highlight was crying out to God. So if you're writing things down, put this as number one, crying out to God. When we cry out to him in the secret place and take risks in the public place. So crying out to him in the secret place and then we take risk in the public place. Okay, when we're seeing the miracles happen, we're seeing the breakthroughs happen, we're giving thanks to God, we're giving all the glory to God, right? It's all good, it's all powerful, it's encouraging, it's amazing, right? So we're giving all the glory to Him. But again, to go back when those moments don't happen, we go back into that secret place again, right? When we don't see those breakthroughs happen, when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and you thought, oh, I'll pray some more because I'm supposed to pray some more, we just cry out to him in those quiet places. Be like, God, I don't understand why this is happening, right? We light at our hearts like, God, I don't know, I don't get it, but I know you're good, right? Is God good? Even if our circumstances don't say it, is he good? Right? You have to know that not just in your head, but in your heart. Right? If we want to live that life totally surrendered to Him, we want to live a life full of faith, faith like the centurion, is we have to know deep in our soul that no matter what, He is good. And when we truly believe that, I think we'll start to take more of those risks. Right? Are you guys with me? Come on. All right. Praying in intimacy. You know, the... the Centurion knew, right? I said this before. The centurion knew the authority that Jesus carried, right? He knew the authority that Jesus carried. Okay? So it'd be like, Melissa, come up here. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You can sit back down now. Just like I know, I have authority too. I had to do it to her. She was sitting in the front row. I I had to pick on her, okay? But, again, the centurion knew the authority of Jesus, right? The name of Jesus has authority, amen? Okay? So we, today, know the authority of Jesus because of intimacy, right? We're praying in that secret place with him. It's that daily life of just being with the Father, just being in an intimate relationship with Him. As we're being intimate with Him, guess what? You're going to know who He is, okay? 
As you're being intimate with him, you're going to know who he is. His heart is to heal and restore people. Right? You're like, Adam, I want to have a heart for the nations. I want to have a heart for the lost. I want to have a heart for the city of Kitchener, for the heart for the city of Guelph, for Cambridge, wherever it is. As you spend more time with him, you start to get his heart for those people. Okay? All right. Number three, constantly in pursuit, okay? Faith pursues, okay? Faith pursues. Part of faith is believing for something that hasn't yet happened, okay? So when we're hungry, we're going to pursue, amen? I always like saying this is something I always want my life to be like, is that I want to live in a place where I am satisfied with being unsatisfied, okay? And now you could be like, you maybe have heard me say that before, but you could be like, what do you mean, Adam? Being satisfied with the fact that God always has more. Okay? So I want my life to be in this place where I'm never getting satisfied for where I am. I see somebody get healed. I see a breakthrough. That creates this hunger in me to pursue him even more because there's even more of a breakthrough right? There's more people. I'm sure you can think in your workplace, who needs Jesus, right? You see a breakthrough in your workplace. It causes a hunger to grow up inside you, and we need to pursue that even more, okay? All right, next one. Who's in your circle, okay? I think um, a lot of times, you know, people in church, people outside of church, we all know the story of David and Goliath, right? Right? We all know that story, David and Goliath, right? David was a famous hockey player. No. Okay. So pretty much anybody's going to know that story, but a lot of us don't know that David's men killed four other giants afterwards, later on, down the road. Four of his men killed, or I shouldn't say four other men. I don't know how many men it was, but followers of him killed four other giants. Okay. And this this is a pretty big quote. If you want to be a giant killer, hang around a giant killer. All right, so if you want to go kill giant, go hang around a giant killer, right? So David's men had that courage to defeat these giants. Why? Because they were in David's camp. David was a giant killer, a giant slayer, however you want to put it, right? He had the faith for it. That rubs off onto his men. So guess what? His men are like, nothing's impossible. I saw David do this, and David's just a little shepherd's boy at the time, right? So we know because he does, we know who God is, and therefore we can do it, Right? Who is in your circle? Who are you surrounding yourself with? You know, say you're like, you want to be a famous hockey player one day. Well, guess what? You're not going to hang out with somebody on the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Right, Bob? If you want to be a a famous hockey player, you're not going to hang out with somebody on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I have a lot of Toronto Maple Leafs jokes. I'm sorry. I just knew you were going to be here. Um, But honestly, though, you find somebody who's really, really good at it, right? See, you guys, you find somebody who has something that you want, and you hang out with that person. So guess what? They start to rub off on you, right? I think Amy wanted to marry me because she just like, man, Adam just carries something so amazingly, and I just want that for the rest of my life, so I'm going to marry him. And so it just rubs off on me. And, you know, does that make sense? Right? Right? All right. I made my point. Okay, last one before we pray here is... Radical obedience. Say radical obedience. All right, I'm sure we've all heard, um, how do you spell faith? 
I spell faith, R-I-S-K, risk, right? Has everybody heard that, right? It's really good to even know no matter how many times you hear it, right? A life of risk is needed for continually breakthrough in signs and wonders and miracles, okay? His nature, again, is to heal and restore, but we need to make room for that, right? We can think of it this way. It's just like, Adam, I'm spending all this time in the quiet place, but yet I'm not really making room for the Holy Spirit to move, right? I can spend all this time praying, all this time doing the right thing, so to speak, but then I never actually listen to what he's saying, or I never actually give him the room to do it, right? Or we let fear stop us. It's like, oh, I had this like urge to, to talk to that person on the other side of the street, and I just, I just don't do it, right? You just kind of push it away, you blow it off, whatever it is. But we need to make room for when he speaks. When we're having all that time in that quiet place, we're getting his heart for the people, all these things, right? We're crying for breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. There's got to be a follow-through. Okay, say follow-through for me. Follow-through. There's got to be a follow-through. There's got to be that extra step, that next step, when you leave room for him to do what he does. All right? We got to leave room for him to do what he does. And so increase grows as we use it, okay? Our faith grows as we use it, okay? Increase grows as we do use it, amen? All right, come on. I'm gonna get you guys to stand up. Thank you, guys. I'm gonna get you guys to close your eyes. Right now, we just want leave room for the Holy Spirit here just to come and I just want him just to feel like he just wants to increase that faith in this room tonight. Increase the faith in this room tonight. Increase the faith in this room tonight. Holy Spirit. God, raise the expectations in this room tonight. Raise the expectations in this room tonight that you can go far above and beyond anything we can imagine, Holy Spirit. Let those words just sink into your your soul tonight. He can go above and beyond anything you can imagine.